Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. So, as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action going on this season. Let's get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's biggest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open right now at BetOnline. So what do you do? Go on your website or use your mobile device right now and sign up today. Receive a 100% welcome bonus. So take advantage also of their opening day super promo make a bet on Thursday, September 9th. That's the season opener versus the Buccaneers and Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for a new customer. Only when signing up with using the promo code NFL100. It's Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming into the pod. I'm so excited. We are ripping the days off the calendar until the Chicago Bears kick it off against the Los Angeles Rams in week one. So I'm happy and honored to welcome back for the third time. It's 670 The Scores. David Haw, he hosts Molly and Haw every single day from 5 to 9. And also, if you're on the West Coast, just go on Odyssey. You can just download that stuff and get it right away. David, thank you so much for coming back. How are you today? I'm doing well. That would be daunting to think about on the West Coast, 3 to 7 a.m., that's quite a quite a shift. David, all my hottest sports takes are at 3 a.m. when I call in, <laughs> when I'm calling in on the line. Me too. I, I, then I lose them by the time I drive to work. They're all gone because it's so early. But that's always nice. These these apps these days allow me to kind of yeah. stay plugged in and listen to some of my favorite Chicago voices in sports. And your show is definitely an appointment listening. And um, I wanted to start it off like this for you, David. You know, I've been working on something. We haven't seen each other in a little while. I'm working on a podcast. It's a long-form podcast. It's an investigative reporting podcast, and it's called Searching for Anyone on the Planet Who Thinks the Bears Can Win Week One. Um, (laughs) David, do you have any leads for me? Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, Have you found one person on the planet that thinks the Bears have a chance week one? I don't have Ryan Pace's home address for you. (laughs) If I did, I would share it because outside of that, maybe Nagy's, the Nagy's, and maybe the McCaskies and the Phillips families, maybe they believe, but the point's well taken. This is an uphill climb. It's going to be a difficult, difficult challenge for the Bears, the oldest team in the NFL with uncertainty at quarterback, more uncertainty at offensive tackle and all sorts of problems at cornerback to go into LA and to beat one of the best teams, I think in the NFC this year with the combination of Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford. This is a very difficult schedule for the Bears. And I think that we'd be naive if we didn't consider how the difficulty of the schedule right from the get-go has affected the thought process with the quarterbacks. That's such a great point. And you're really hitting on something. It's a weird irony, right? There's so much optimism and I think hope injected into this Bears franchise right now with Justin Fields. But when you talk about week one, everyone's like, forget it. <laughs> just just for, forget it right off the bat. And it's going to be part of that, I think, a little bit this season with that schedule you were talking about. I do want to ask you, the news came down yesterday, final cuts. You know, there was a certain six-time Super Bowl coach that decided that a former Pro Bowl MVP guy who's been to a Super Bowl no longer is the future, and they're going with Mac Jones, their rookie, the Bears are going to sit Justin Fields for the first week, at least with Andy Dalton. So can you help Bears fans kind of digest and separate 
the two situations a little bit because it's just sort of maybe aggravating something that's been hotly debated all training camp? Well, it certainly uh, is understandable. Let's say that, that why people would look at what's happening in New England and want to apply the same kind of logic in Chicago. But I think the only thing the Patriots and the Bears really have in common is that they both belong to the National Football League. <laughs> These aren't comparable franchises in terms of winning, in terms of the coaching structure, in terms of the football infrastructure. And so, uh, look, Bill Belichick is playing a hunch only probably a handful of coaches in the NFL can play. He's taking a risk few can take. Matt Nagy is not on that list. Bill Belichick has the football gravitas and the capital accrued to be able to say, I'm going to cut a veteran quarterback in Cam Newton, and I'm going to ride with a rookie. He has won the Super Bowl rings in order to give him that kind of cushion if he fails, if it's a bad risk. And make no mistake, it's not an automatic thing. It's going to work just because Bill Belichick said, this is what I want to happen. It's a calculated risk. And frankly, he can take it. He's entitled to that, and we should respect that. If it were Matt Nagy doing the same thing, cutting a veteran or replacing a veteran for a rookie that they drafted and moved up to get, we would all be more skeptical in Chicago and around the National Football League because, frankly, the Bears, I don't have to go into uh, what their history is with making decisions at the quarterback position. We don't have enough time. So when you look at the differences in the two franchises, I don't think it's an apt comparison. I also believe that the Patriots understand they have depth. They have a very good football team, at least on paper. They spent a record $159 million in free agency. They have supplemented the quarterback position with depth, with talent, and with skill. So I don't look at the Bears in having an uneven offensive line, holes in the defensive secondary, and questions a quarterback as being the same kind of team or have that same kind of support. So I understand why people would want to make that leap. It's an easy one to want to make, but I just don't see the parallel that is drawn in my mind to the two, two decisions. I agree. The difference is infrastructure and cachet, two things that Matt Nagy is still trying to earn through the Bears organization. And by doing that, yeah, look, Bill Belichick can run out Mac Jones, and after five or six games, if he isn't playing well, he can be like, well, hang in there. You know, he's a rookie. We're going to get through the bumps and bruises. If Justin Fields goes out there and doesn't play well, are we going to point more fingers at Matt Nagy or are we going to point fingers at Justin Fields? It's a great, it's a great point. You know, I think when you see Matt Jones out there uh, because he's in a Patriot uniform and because he's making sound decisions and quick uh, releases and all these things like, boy, doesn't, doesn't he look like Tom Brady? Doesn't he remind you of Tom Brady a little bit? And with the bears, you see Justin Fields and doing these things is like, doesn't he remind you? We've never had one of those. We've never had a quarterback like that. Let's look it so up real quick. <laughs> that's that's what I mean is that th there really is no basis on which to to form this this idea that this calculated risk would pay off. So I think that there is no rush for Justin Fields. This season, I've said this on the air, and I, and I think it bears repeating. To me, winning in two, 2020, given the roster you have, is not as important as developing your franchise quarterback at a rate that preserves him and makes sure that he's at his best for the next eight to 10 years, because you have something special you've never had before. Don't 
don't make a mistake in the name of haste because you got to get them on the field for oh you got you got to finish September you know three and one eh, why I mean why do you have to finish the first quarter of the season with a winning record developing Trump's winning in my book. Today's episode is also brought to you by Play Action because, look, this is exciting news. Bet on Chicago is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring you some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on all the action with our PlayActionPools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone. So here's how it works. You sign up for our contest, believe football pick'em at PlayActionPools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. So again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest believe b-l-e-a-v football pick them and if you plan on hosting your own football contest go to playactionpools.com today they've got survivor pick them as well as a cool sportsbook style concept called build your own bankroll that's only at playactionpools.com your new home for all your office sports picks now back to the pod and also on top of that in terms of justin fields You've got a situation where you know you just you have to get you have to get it right, and everything seems to be kind of trending in that direction. So when he does get kind of unleashed, if you will, on the NFL, you don't want to turn back. Obviously, as you would flip the situation if you did Justin Fields didn't play well, you don't want to have a two a Dolphins situation where you're kind of pulling him in and pulling him out because, as we saw, two of them might still have a ton of talent, but over the off season, the questions have kind of bubbled up and maybe can kind of be hindering his progress in Miami. I think that's a good comparison. Now, I will look at the Dolphins and the Bears, and you can see why you would draw a parallel there because did the Bears learn from the Dolphins' experience with Tua? And when they used Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then, boom, Mysterious replaced him. I bet you, I bet you if the, the Dolphins' decision-makers were honest with themselves, I doubt they would admit this publicly, they would have been even more patient with Tua because the veteran nobody wanted to play actually played pretty well in Miami in 2020, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm not suggesting that Andy Dalton is anything more than he is, a serviceable NFL starter at this stage of his career. But does he have a Fitzpatrick-type season in him? He could. We don't see practice. We're not privy to those kind of exchanges, and, and we don't know what is on the tape there. I don't want to overstate my confidence in Andy Dalton, but I just think that the patient's approach, the patient approach with a young quarterback recognizes the fact that developing bad habits this early in his career could be lasting. Just ask David Carr. The bad habits is the thing that scares me the most. I read an article and I'm totally blanking on it right now, but it talked about how 50% of first round, first round quarterbacks fail. You know, they did a whole bunch of numbers too. And they said something that, you know, there is value in having a guy just sit and just get through the week of game install. Watch what happens in the heat of the moment. Go through an actual NFL game. Watch the tape. Go through the process. Do those mental reps in your head of what I would do in the place of said quarterback. And then maybe when you put the guy in, he's a little bit more comfortable. I want to bring something up because you guys mentioned it on your show. And I honestly I can't find too many other places that have brought this up. I find it very intriguing. I'd like you to give maybe one our listeners just your perspective on just what you think of Justin Fields overall, not just on the field, but maybe some of the intangible qualities that have stuck out during preseason. And could you see a scenario where Justin Fields could be a part of the game plan week one, maybe for a play, maybe for a series, maybe in the red zone, something along those lines. Do you think that could be possible? Justin Fields has tremendous poise. He is a natural leader. He's a special athlete. 
He has all the qualities that you want in a franchise quarterback. That's why you have to preserve him in his health. You don't want to put him in harm's way before you have to. Now, I think that he will grasp the nuances of the getting in and out of the huddle, recognizing blitzes at the line of scrimmage better than he did in the second preseason game when he got his helmet knocked off. He's going to do these things a lot better because he processes information quickly. But think real quick, Joey, when you look at the highlights that come to mind, what did Justin Fields do that you remember in preseason? All of the examples, whether it was that great throw against um, in the final preseason game to Jesper Horstead, or it was the escapability, the touchdown run earlier in, in the preseason, they were plays outside the pocket after protection broke down. What you want to do is you want to you want to get him conditioned and you want to get the Bears in a position to set up these highlights that are in the pocket, that are timing throws, that are downfield throws, that are play action passes where he hits a guy in stride or on the sideline. That's the next phase. Now, until you get there against the Rams, could I envision a, a scenario where the, the, the Bears say, we have this, we have this weapon and we want to take, we want to kind of balance this and strike a balance here. Could we see where in the red zone, Justin Fields could go in first and goal from the eight and let's see what he's got. Well, it may not sit very well with Andy Dalton, but it might be the best thing in that situation for the element of surprise. So I could see them doing that. I don't like the idea of, okay, Justin, you've got every fourth series because that interrupts momentum and that plays around with, I guess, uh, rhythm and timing and patience and progression. But I do think that I could see a red zone package of plays where Justin Fields would be downright scary. Yeah, in terms of the every fourth one, I can't buy into that either because you want to try and manipulate look and scheme. So if you're trying to work towards Andy, trying to find a look somewhere out there, you don't want to kind of maybe mess that up. And we all know Matt Nagy doesn't really like an HB dive in the red zone. So if he's not going to go north and south on that, maybe getting Justin Fields into the red zone for a couple plays may be the way to go about it. I do want to ask you, let's go a little bit broader to the rest of the team. I want to pose it to you like this. Which do you think, which stat, we're doing a little over-under here, a little betting, if okay. you will. So which stat is a better indicator of a Bears' successful season this year? Dave Montgomery rushes for over 1,100 yards. Okay. Allen Robinson picks up over 1,200 receiving yards. Okay. Or Robert Quinn gets more than 10.5 sacks this year. If one of those numbers goes over, which one is a better indicator that the Bears will be successful this season? It's a really good question. Um, I think Allen Robinson, 1,200 yards would be – Hmm. standard year for him yeah number one receiver in this offense given the amount of weapons the Bears really don't have I think Allen Robinson better have 1200 reception yards or else something's gone terribly wrong Robert Quinn 10 and a half sacks is an interesting one because that says that he's productive that doesn't necessarily mean the Bears are winning games it just means that he might be winning his one-on-one battles and that pass rush is doing what it should do uh and maybe Khalil Mack is getting a the bulk of the attention as he typically does, but I don't think that alone might represent big picture progress and a sign of anything that you, you know, can, can latch onto. Whereas David Montgomery, even though 1100 yards is only 65 yards per game rushing. I still think that David Montgomery 65 yards per game rushing in the Matt Nagy continuum would represent progress and you'd be taking an incremental step toward a commitment to the ground game which frankly he has been resistant to doing for whatever reason. 
So David Montgomery, I would think the over with the 1,100 yards would tell me that the Bears are number one, showing a little bit more discipline in the running game from the play caller. Number two, creating the space and moving the line of scrimmage in a way that says the offensive line is working together better than I expect them to. And number three, David Montgomery staying healthy, which I think when he does that, he's one of the most underrated backs in the league. When you look at his numbers over last season, and even the last two, they've been trending in the right direction, but I don't think he always gets the respect he deserves. Allen Robinson was kind of intended to be the red herring, right? Because of course, Allen Robinson's great. You know, he can get those 1200 yards and we've still gone eight and nine, you know what I mean? Or whatever, right. uh, eight and eight last year. And in terms of Robert Quinn, you know, the 10 and a half sacks is interesting, but I'm right there with you, David Montgomery. If he's moving the chains, getting first downs, that means we're taking pressure off of, as you said, Andy Dalton and or Justin Fields. We're keeping the defense off the field. Maybe we have more of a balanced offensive attack, which kind of opens up a lot of more opportunities. Robert Quinn, I'm just kind of looking at that front seven because something needs to happen with that front seven. We need that front seven to go really well. And I do want to ask you this because this is a bit of more in your backyard. You know, the secondary situation right now, a couple surprises. I don't think Desmond Trufant getting cut. He's just had a rough personal last couple of weeks. And I just found Artie Burns. I thought Artie Burns was a bit of a surprise, and I don't know if the Bears are going to go out on the market. What do you see from this Bears secondary right now? Because if the front seven isn't playing at its best, we could have a bit of an issue on the side of the football when Bears fans are just looking at the offense right now. Well, even after the Bears re-signed Artie Burns today to a one-year deal, I think that they are somewhat thin at the position, at least with quality cornerbacks. Uh, I think they have left themselves a little bit exposed by the decision to move on from Kyle Fuller, which was a salary cap move. And I understand that. And there's some nuances there that the cap was down, but it was down for everybody. And they had to make some decisions, which I, you know, I think are fair to question. Uh, you know, Desmond Trufant is an unfortunate story uh, because of the fact that who can anticipate, you know, a, a family situation, a death in the family, and you have to respect his, his right to grieve and the, and the process that that takes. So you want to give him as much time and space as necessary. Um, but football is not going to stop. And so you have to find a, a contingency plan. The problem is the Bears have such a small margin for error at that position, at a couple key positions, that then you're left to trusting Kendall Vildor, who I think is a nice third cornerback, but having you know, to start opposite Jalen Johnson, just it says to quarterbacks like Matthew Stafford, pick on me, you know? <laughs> and then Aaron Rodgers, pick on me some more. And, you, and then you get to this, through the schedule and he's got a bullseye on his back that is bigger than his number. And so I have some real concerns about the Bears secondary and I'm not sure that the defensive front or the pass rush will be good enough to overcome those because you know, you're asking a lot from, from an inexperienced group, and that is assuming Jalen Johnson stays healthy, which I think is no given. We're going to see it week one, right? What do the Rams do against the Bears' defense? Two-step throw, get it into the receiver's hands, turn it into a tackling drill. And I think one of the biggest criticisms over the last year and a half with the Bears' secondary, even with Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller, I think, is a really solid tackler, but, you know, our, our two safeties, they don't necessarily have to get our nose and wrap up on guys. And I think it could be an issue right off the bat in that week one of just get it into their hands and make them tackle in the open field. I think Tayshawn Gibson had a better year than Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson, I think, had too many situations that he looked like he was not interested 
in contact. And that's a bad thing for free safety to be noticed for. Uh, you, you know, you don't want to be noticed for getting any, letting anybody behind you. You want to stay deep as the deepest. But when plays are in front of you, you have to look like a willing participant and you can't be looking like a guy making business decisions. And too often that happens. And Eddie Jackson just needs to be a more physical player. He needs to be uh, nearer the line of scrimmage at times and, and make the play against the run. And he's got to be everything that you want the best safeties in the game to be. That is good against the run and even better against the pass. That's what he's getting paid to do. And that's what he needs to do better this year than he did in 2020. Let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, Balance 7. So I don't know if you've heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. He's been taking a new product he owes the credit to. It's called Balance 7. Balance 7 is a pH balancing alkaline supplement drink. And look for anyone in their 30s and above, or maybe even before. Look, I'm 37, but even in my 20s, every day was a maintenance day. I could use a little something like Balance 7 for a little bit of help. So head to balance7.com and use the code BLEAV believe for free shipping balance7.com use the code BLEAV for free shipping I did and if it worked for Lamar Odom it can work for you too now back to the pod I'm talking to David Haw here on Molly and Haw you can find them on 670 the score 5 to 9 every single day breaking down the Bears season and all wonderful Chicago sports going on right now it's time David Will the Bears make the playoffs, in your opinion? And if they do not make the playoffs, do you have a win projection right now that you're thinking about, and how do you forecast this season? I wish I was more optimistic. I really felt a little bit better maybe after the draft, and that was maybe because I projected Tevin Jenkins to make a successful transition to left tackle. I bought into that idea that maybe Justin Fields on the right timetable could come in after maybe the first quarter of the season and start to contribute in a way that um, you know made sense to me, and he's going to be special. Defensively, they still, I think, are going to be exposed at one cornerback position. I, I don't know what the health is. We're already hearing rumblings that Danny Trevathan is not going to be available. He's a big emotional leader in that defense. I think Roquan Smith got snubbed in the top 100. He should be – he's going to be a guy that is a Pro Bowl caliber performer. I got a lot of time for Khalil Mack. He is what he is. Akeem Hicks needs to stay healthy. Eddie Goldman back will help. Their defensive interior is the strength. But overall, not enough weapons on offense, not enough strength on the offensive line, let alone depth, and not enough consistency from the play calling for me to see the Bears having a winning season. I think they're a seven or eight win team. And with 17 games, it puts them on the wrong side of 500. So, no, I don't see the playoffs in 2021. I hate to say it, I'm kind of right there with you. And unfortunately, when you talk about a lot of NFL teams, they deal with injuries, they deal with sometimes some weaknesses in different areas. But the other part that you hit on last, that tactical advantage, again, I you know I want Matt Nagy to succeed. I really do. I think he's he's good for the locker room and all that other kinds of stuff. But when it, you put it on the field, I think that tactical advantage, we just can't check that box every single week either. And sometimes that can help you win a game that maybe you're not supposed to win in the NFL season. We just don't have enough examples after three seasons with Matt Nagy, who is a real popular coach with his, with his players. And he's a real, uh, you know, he, he's a likable guy, affable yeah. personality. So is Mitch. Many, so is Mitch. I know. And too many examples, though, exist where you just look at it and he's not calling plays and he's not formulating game plans based around his personnel. And – like to see the Bears more physical up front. I like to see them run the ball. You can 
do things with an overmatched offensive line in the running game that maybe you can't in the passing game. And that may be one way to kind of overcome the lack of, you know, really good skill position players or proven receivers. They pick up Brett Perriman today. Let's see what he has. They've got a couple other veterans. Marquise Goodwin has some speed. But let's face it, these are all definite maybes. And you don't get to the playoffs by basing your season on definite maybes. The Bears could be a big surprise, but if they succeed, I will be the first one surprised. Look, I think we all can maybe generally agree that when it comes to optics, George McCaskey is fairly blind. So when we're talking about a Bears season right here, it might come down to wins and losses. Is there a particular number in your head of losses? that the Bears would have to accrue this season that would actually put Matt Nagy in the hot seat or general consensus throughout Chicago sports, they're probably a little bit more comfortable than people realize. Well, you know, look, I think I've been around here long enough to know that you can never anticipate the, the highly unexpected from happening. You know, so if you wanted me to attach a number to where Matt Nagy finishes the season and wonders about, you know, he's hitting refresh on his Twitter to see if he's going to be, be hired or fired. Um, <laughs> I would say beyond 12. I mean, if you're four, if you're five and 12, if you're four and 13, I think there would be some suspense surrounding Matt Nagy's job status, but I don't think that he's in jeopardy. I really don't. I think that's a very outside Chicago viewpoint. I feel like whether you agree with it or not, the bears are seeking stability. They really are. They've had every opportunity and they could have justified, frankly, firing both men last year after the season. And I think Ryan Pace was in more, Jeopardy than Matt Nagy should have been last year, but they brought him back. And I think now when they bring him back, you want to see what happens with the Justin Fields experience. You want to see what happens when maybe Tevin Jenkins is healthy and playing left tackle. And I think you want to see how this is headed and trending at the end of the season. And I don't think that they're going to bottom out, but I don't think they're going to be much better than mediocre. So that's probably going to be good enough for them to get at least one more shot and to see what you got in 2022. And maybe Justin Fields is special enough to save everybody's job next year. But I just don't see that being the case as we begin the 2021 season. They're going to be in a lot of games, you know, even if they pick up some losses this year. Even in 2019, when that offense was just almost unwatchable, and I'm one of the more optimistic Bears fans, I was almost at my breaking point in 2019. They were still in a lot of those games, which made it even more frustrating because they're at halftime. You're like, man, if we can just get if we get three first downs, maybe we're we're in this game right now. And yeah, I, I'm I'm rooting for uh, I'm rooting for optically it looks good. We can get some enthusiasm, and maybe the win loss record will just have to be something unless it's egregious. Maybe Matt Nagy is safe for one more time, or at least one more season moving forward. David, final question for you. Get you out of here on this. Just gonna switch to the diamond real quick in baseball. I just want to throw this out to you because this is going to seem like a contrarian thing, and I don't, I'm don't. i not criticizing the other person okay. because Shohei Otani is a, he is a force of nature. He is a must-watch baseball player. I live out here in L.A. I literally look and see when he's going to come to bat, and I throw it on my MLB extra innings because I want to watch two-way players, singular force. But I have to ask you, why can we not even have a discussion about the reigning MVP as perhaps being an MVP candidate right now in Jose Abreu after his fantastic month of August and a White Sox team still in first place? Well, it's a nice sentiment. It, it really is. I think for Sox fans, they kind of love Jose Abreu because he is the epitome of class and clutch. And I think he has come through 
and he leads the majors in RBIs because he is such a great clutch hitter. But I think you're asking a bit much. I, I do. Look, you're, there will be people who are now in their 20s and 30s that will be telling their grandkids about the year that Shohei Otani had. This is not just a great year. This is a historic happening. And when these things take place in sports, in any individual season, they must be honored and, and recognized for what they are. And that is the history-making, you know, record-shattering uh, experience yeah. and accomplishment that Shohei Itani has, has uh, put together for the Angels. And so I don't think so. I mean, I, I love Jose Abreu. I'm not even sure Jose Abreu is the most valuable guy on his team. Tim Anderson seems to make oh, things yeah. go. I probably take Jose Abreu for, for granted. He's always been one of my favorite guys, though, in Chicago since coming um, over in 2014. I was fortunate enough to take a trip to Havana and do his story when uh, in 2015 when he was going back to see his son. Spent a lot of time around him. He is the real deal. I have got all the time in the world for uh, the Jose Abreu appreciation tour, but I think Shohei Otani is your MVP this year because of the kind of rarity that he's put together. So, Mr. Hall, I can put you down for a second place vote. Is that what we're saying? Okay, all right. I'll, I'll go. I'll give in. Second place. No, well, yeah. And look, I think it actually probably speaks more to everything that you're saying about the unbelievable season that Otani's having. He's at what 42 home runs right now. Yeah. He's going to have, I think, 10 wins when the season's over. Sub three ERA, 12K per nine. It's just funny that we can't. There is no second place. There just well, it, there is there's there really isn't anybody. And it's just funny that the reigning MVP is having a fantastic season, may lead the league in RBIs, but can't even get in the door and have the discussion. That's how incredible it's been. Vlad Guerrero Jr. would like the word with you, too. That's true. That is also that is also very true as well, especially if they make a playoff run and if you can win the batting title. Absolutely. David Haw from 670 The Score. You can check him out with Molly and Haw every single weekday, 5 to 9. Or if that's a little early for you on the West Coast, go to Odyssey because their episodes are easily downloaded every single day. David, such a pleasure, man. Thank you always for making time, being generous with your time. Great to see you and hope to talk to you again soon. Anytime. Great questions. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Today's episode of Bet on Chicago with Joy Christopoulos was brought to you by BetOnline.ag, Play Action, and Balance 7PH Supplements. Thank you so much for listening to this pod. Bear season right around the corner, which means we've got plenty of great pods coming up. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always Bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.